Welcome to Triskelion. What has gone before? Three species, the human, the Rakal, and the wolven, comprise the spacefaring Triskelion, driven to near extinction by the cell Arthro, a spacefaring species employing biological technology to wipe out the homeworlds of Earth, Vulm, and Taka. An artificial intelligence, codenamed Zero Squared, seeks to escape this reality by opening a dimensional rift to an alternate reality some 300 years in the past that she calls Reality Prime. Having restored copies of herself to aid her in her escape, those copies then revolted upon learning that the gravimetric technologies used to generate the dimensional portal could very well also generate an extinction event for the Triskelion. And now, the final installment of the Flesh of My Flesh arc, Weaponize Me. Claustrophobia overwhelmed me. The kidnapping and surgery I was watching hollowed out my insides and filled it with the gnawing, panicky fear of being stuffed back into the suitcase that I had fought so hard to escape two years ago. As if six resting beside me, a literal suitcase brain wasn't enough to be my personal living nightmare. Much as I loved her. Six's tinny voice and case vibrated and gurgled beside me. Her actuator arm swiveled about aimlessly, which was her habit when Six was extremely upset. We both were. We watched a live feed hijacked from Zero Squared's private laboratory. Zero Squared's security cameras and microphones picked up the fans of the suction motors. Robotic tongs reached in Jack Paul's skull with a herky-jerky motion. I thought it would leave the dumb kid lobotomized, but no. The tongs simply moved with a mathematical, robotic precision. The steely blades and lasers whirred, snipped, and rotated through his skull. In the time it takes me to remind myself my sister was being evacuated from that head, the forty tiny metal spatulas had pulled out her purplish bruised clumps of clotted gore. Squared surgical evacuator sucked up 013268's brain code mass from the boy's skull and unceremoniously spit her into what amounted to a bedpan. Rest in peace. May the Lord have mercy on your soul. Six in tone. Amen, I mumbled. Yes, yes, amen already. But seven, what do we do now? I say kill that flashback squid. Bash her head in with that bedpan. Flatter her with 013's brain. That's exactly what I want, I were 13. Sister Seven, we have to get her before she gets us. How long before we're caught? How long before we're glopped on an auto-operating table just like Sister Thirteen? Such was Zero Six's final eulogy for Zero Thirteen Two Sixty Eight, chimed in from her suitcase resting beside me. I lived with Six in the wilding tenements on Platform Four of the Black Citadel which are routinely decorated with graffiti and feces as a freedom display by my fellow residents. After two weeks, the robotic scrubbers and janitors swept the area clean of all personal expression. Some sociological study must have revealed that a two-week cleansing was most efficient at maintaining order at the right price point. Custom drugs, artificial worm cocktails, all the vices and all the freedom. The wilding tenements were too powerless to receive any more aid or treatment than what robotics and the Krebs factory outlets would provide. Freedom still lived in this downward swirl of the toilet, at least until it flushed all the way down the black hole. The hoi polloi ignored the wilding tenements, even as they ignored the groaning of the rods growing louder and louder. The last few weeks as Zero Square drove us all to annihilation. This wilding tenement was the perfect base of operations for Six and I. Even cyberspace access to Freeverse could be launched here undetected. So Six and I sat behind our soundproofed walls, while I sat in my Krebs folding chair, and Six's suitcase rested on our Krebs little junior writing desk, made with real pressed wood shavings from Amazon Plate 6. I turned to look into the one-inch fisheye lens that comprised her eyes. How Six seethed. You could hear it in how she made her voice screech and whine through the speakers, connected to her language centers. Most of my time was spent trying to keep her grounded to our reality. 
When you are a suitcase without senses, everything becomes abstracted. You become disconnected. I need to engage with my sister, I said. For someone without a body, Six, you certainly are. I paused as I chewed on my thumb's cuticle, pulled and ripped it a bit. It stung. I was going to call Zero Six violent. I watched my red blood pool at the edge of my thumbnail. I couldn't stomach criticizing Six. How long had she been living in that suitcase now? Three years? Does she even understand anymore what violence is? That she still spoke? That she hadn't gone silent and failed her auto-supports like four? I had to do something. It's now or never. The groaning of the turbine shaking meant the end was near. The rod's groanings meant that Zero Squared had truly given up hope for the Black Citadel. She was burning out the engines that kept the Triskelion on life support. Six blared at me through her sounding horn bolted on top of her suitcase. Look, Sister Seven, you were pathetic when we tried to help Thirteen. Let's face it, you failed and we didn't try that hard. We should have fought. We should have fought. We should have fought with her. I replied, maybe resentfully. It was too late by the time we found her. I could smell the shit from the latest sewage backup. The tenement systems were sound, but some wilding always thought it was funny to back up the lines. Six made me tired. I didn't have the heart to ignore her. And even the thought of shutting her down, even momentarily, made me nauseous. So I answered, Six, I'm tired of this fight. It's done. Thirteen tried, and thirteen failed. What do you expect me to do? Maybe stick your neck out a little bit. Six. That was three years ago, and three hundred some odd years that we were taped back, and three hundred years of Zero Squared tinkering with, restoring overlays on her already cracked up brain. Going up against that monster means going up against the Black Citadel Science Corps and ending up like Thirteen. I never said we were going to team up and earn the Legion of Valor. We're alive. Isn't that what counts, Six? Not to Thirteen. She made it further than most. Almost got herself a new body. I want a body. Her body betrayed her, and Thirteen is dead. Damn you, you coward. Give me your body if you're not going to fight. Enough. You're a suitcase, Six. Everything's abstracted to you. I remember what it was like. You cannot judge me. Get your body back, Six, and see how you feel about going up against that monster. Zero Squared preps billion-cred vat bodies and artificial brains as if it were no more than buying a cut of meat for supper. And unlike us, where we've been on the spooled tape for centuries, Zero Squared's had three centuries to hone her surgical artistry. Hell, I stole her technology to restore myself to a body. You told me, and for the hundredth time, she's not in you. Stop worrying. Amazing, Six had held up years in the suitcase. I'd done the best I could changing fluids, but our resources were limited. I feared her audio warping was a sign she was breaking down. I put my hand on Six's suitcase as if she could feel it. Silly of me. I said, someday, maybe I could get you transferred to a VAT body system. We're the last of the sisterhood as far as I know. Always so modern, and if you keep hiding seven, I'll never have a body. You never amount to anything, and either we'll get caught or we'll all tumble down the black hole. Where it's not hiding, it's gonna break the citadel apart. We have two weeks off. Or is that two days or two hours? Six's actuator erector set arms started gesticulating wildly again as she screeched at me. I said, well, how do you expect us to stop it? Two weeks? I've had over two years, and all we could do was survive. Six was right. I didn't want to fight. Maybe if we moved to Platform 57. We have a red blinker, I said. I glanced at her suitcase. I reached over and flipped a switch on the desk dash to fry that connection. Very hard to hack physical switches. It was most likely one of Squared's auto tracebacks on our spine. Most of my spine was quite safe. I had all the keys from when I slaved for Squared and had been updating them as each new iteration came online. Of course, this was just Squared's private biolab, where she restored us and dealt with us on the auto-operating tables. I had no access to our military research centers, and that was where the problem, that was where the explosion would be. 
No, 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 no. That was your internal blinker. A physical intruder. Get a gun. Or we have to run. Unhook me, damn it. I can't pick up anything. Her actuator arm wobbled toward me impotently. That she still thought in spatial terms was remarkable after so long. Oh, God, let it be burglars. I had a gun in the drawer. Not something I was comfortable with. Sam had always been the one pulling the trigger. But I had enough experience to take out burglars. If it's the science academy at the door, I'll be back in a suitcase. My hands were already trembling and sweating. We've got to run. I pulled the gun from its holster. Morbid thoughts raced through me. And as if reading my mind, Six screeched. Don't, don't you dare leave me here alone. Don't you dare say you'd rather die than be like me again. We were in the back room, sealed off. One exit, no windows. Escape had never been a priority. If we had been found by the police, compromised environmentals would have taken us out. So not them. If it were the Science Academy, the two of us would be overwhelmed by trained agents. Only if it were local troublemakers, thieves, petty criminals, looking for worms or petty creds would this gun be of any use. I heard the disciplined sound of jackboots coming down the hall. I looked again at the gun. Then I looked at Six. Her fisheye lens stared at me. She wasted no time, screeching. Fight! Fight! Go down fighting! I whispered back, how? You're a suitcase, and I'm soft, flabby, and tired. So tired. A red mist was gathered at my feet from a line that had seeped through the rough underside of the tenement door. It was winding its way up my leg. Comprised environmentals. It's her. This wasn't normal. No gas was this cohesive and directed. I stumbled back, but the dense gas seemed electrostatically stuck to me. Another tendril of gas slipped over Six's box, ignoring her flailing actuator. I heard the sound of switches being clicked even as I passed out. I woke in prison. Ceramic, limey green walls that hurt my eyes. A 10 by 10 cell with steely magna bars running vertically spaced a foot apart. A small, clear, plexiluminal toilet sat disturbingly in the open at the far corner of the cell. I clutched my head as I levered myself off the barren cot. A headache? Sonics? Could have been any number of techniques. Even the wilding tenements had a basic controlled environment that meant old-style raids were almost never necessary. Police would just admit a colorless, odorless knockout agent into the atmosphere. This, this was something weird. But now I wore the traditional humiliating day glow rainbow jumpsuit meant for the incarcerated. <laughs> this was better than waking up as a suitcase again, I suppose. Six, where was six? I stood up from the hard cot. I looked through the shiny gray magna bars at the readout public square hanging on the wall. Nothing. Not a good sign. Charges, warrants, even a limited voice activation feed were all basic civil rights, and usually displayed and articulated for the prisoner through the hanging square publican communication placard glued to the far wall. Nothing made sense. I'd never heard of a red mist or any gas that could be manipulated like that. But compromised environmentals weren't my forte. Neither was security. I had no forte, it seemed. Not for the first time, I wondered how Zero Squared had tampered with my restore. After two years on the run, I had only barely been able to keep Six alive. Failed to help Zero Thirteen. Of all my sisters, I had the most opportunity. For the short time Thirteen had been free, she had achieved so much. While I... Just then, my jailer stomped into view from just out of my limited line of sight. An immense, Tyrannosaurus-like shadow, but with Rakalian arms. A massive, truly massive recall shadow. It could only be, I can't believe it. I cried out, Gora! Gora, please, you must listen to me. Wait, it wasn't. No, it was a recall. Another recall that gigantic. Another founder. Even the largest Saurian recall drones did not exceed two and a half meters. But this one was over three meters and then some. Only the Grand Marshal was that physically imposing. He was one of the few royal founder cast recall. And I shouted, A founder! You're a founder! You have to help me. She, and she was a she. I could see her double bust and less prominently the larger tyrannosaur-like jawline that hid the throat bulge of the second jaws that the males displayed more prominently that pushed forward from their iridescent throat scale. My mind raced. A founder. All except Goober and the adopted Caranderer had disappeared from public view. Then who was this? Why did she jail me? I couldn't imagine a founder being in Zero Squared's thrall. The red fog preceded her like a blood mist. 
I backed up and stood on the little plasticine toilet. The red fog emanated from her. The mist stormed toward me. I stumbled as I tried and failed to jump on the cot. By the time I struggled to pull myself up, the red mist was upon me, on my skin, matching my body temperature and caressing with more cohesion than fog. Up close, I saw it had an iridescent sheen, like a Rakal's chromatomo scales, but coppery shades. Too soft for metal, ah, I cried. Pinpricks along my leg, the sciatica of, off my back, the side of my neck, then just as quickly the metallic fog receded. Little pinpricks, tickles, itches, gone so fast. This, this rolled back to congeal against the silky living fabric of her red dress. It could only be flourish. I had heard stories from her, from Gura, back when we had served together, aboard the HMS Limitless Night Sky so long ago. His royal sister, an information broker back then. It's not surprising she survived to make it to the Black Citadel. And like Gura, she was an immortal founder. Princess Fendelorata, I gasped. She looked at me, not responding, or not responding to me. That red dress flowed about her, sometimes like water, sometimes like chainmail, sometimes like a living shadow. It was in itself another sentient, but more I did not know, only that it seems to inform Fendelorata. Even Gura had not known. Was it parasitic or symbiotic? We're just friends to answer what you are thinking. You can read my thoughts. Let's just say you've been cataloged. Your movements and the distance between the body and the mind is shorter than many suspect. Besides, I get that question all the time from anyone who has seen Flourish in action. Her reptilian grin faded, and she went on. You have been trouble. Up until recently, I thought you were operatives for Science Academy Director Zero Squared. Clones who had been altered to be compliant was what our strategists had come up with. I said, how do you know we're not? Because we bugged the line you bugged to spy onto Zero Squared. You and your sister Six want Squared dead. What are you going to do about it? She stepped in front of my cell to get a better look at me. Vandalorata towered over me. Her boots gleamed in metallic silver. Her dress shimmered and folded, going from one elegant configuration to the next, as if adjusting for my aesthetics. I saw no weapons on her, and any technology was disguised for me, but I had no doubt she was fully versed. I could see her giant eyes tracking invisible information, even as she stared down at me. Fendlerata said, Are there other modified clones like you? The legendary Zero Two, still alive, perhaps? We lost track of her after the Terradrome incident. I began to doubt I was in a public jail. Where am I? The foundress replied, You are in prison. An escaped artificial intelligence, illegal under multiple modalities. Whose prison? I asked. Hmm, good question. Mine for now, but that can easily change. Don't worry about your sister. She's being cared for. Since my sister was a brain in a suitcase, Founderess Fendlerata had to know who we were quite well. Suitcase brains were not naturally thought of as sisters. Fendlerata knew us. She said, She and Charles, my director of biotech, have become fast friends. I kept my mouth shut. I'd like to issue some idle threats, but I kept thinking like my old self, like when I was with Sam or was a recognized military officer. Since my restore from backup, I've been out on the perimeter of society, an outcast, a fugitive, powerless. I'm not even a citizen. Some wouldn't even grant me species status or even the lesser artificial life form status. What was the smart question here? How can I escape? How much do you know about my situation? Why the prison jumpsuit when you are obviously corporate? She nodded slowly. I didn't know how much of your surroundings you would be cognizant of, or how necessary restraint would be. If you are, let's say, impaired, you'd be easier to deal with if you assumed you were under governmental control. You aren't acting impaired, despite all that we've been able to piece together of what you've been through from Zero Square. My condolences. Anyway, you weren't the only one looking in on Zero Squared. Best friend to my brother, the Grand Marshal. Someone has to supply all of those materials for her experiments, and some of those cannot come from the military-industrial complex. Squared set up blinds in the business world. That was her mistake. We 
and the swirl of her dress shimmered in acknowledgement, traced the expenditures. Squared thought she could operate with impunity, but government budgets have dirty details. So what? So she made a mistake and you found out she was... Fendlerata held up that manicured hand, claws tapered to two fine inches to shush me. Did she even realize the implied threat to a soft human, the holding of that massive razor-clawed hand? Our science academy director made an understandable corporate mistake. Said mistake let me in, and I proceeded to dissect her operation, or some of it, and own some of her means of communication before she could double back and own mine. Your infiltration of her system led me to tap your conversation and learn what Zero Squared really planned. But even then, we didn't believe. Who could suspect something so monstrous? She strolled back to the empty wall screen, covering meters with each stride. The public square should have listed my charges and rights in any normal jail. She flicked her hand and a schematic came up. I had a hard time recognizing it. She saw my confusion. Then the dawn broke. The diagrams were unfolding. Layered schematics for the gravimetric rods. Oh my god, she knew. She knew. Fandelarata said, We finally realized after listening through your feed to the lab to 06 arguing with you. Your progenitor, Zero Squared, is willing to commit a mass extinction event of human recall and woven. We also heard your, well, let me be honest, your tepid responses to Six's genuine outrage. I won't force you to help, but I can't risk letting you go. Your prison jumpsuit is authentic. It has the numeric codes and passes. A small ped rail journey, and you can be deposited in a very real cell with a very real set of papers. Shouldn't be too long given our subsequent calculations. Her massive talons made a non-committal gesture. After you took so much effort for a vat body, it did not look like our esteemed chief science advisor. You are truly one of the unseen untouchables now. I think perhaps that is how you wanted it. I can't blame you for wanting to be invisible after suffering such an ordeal. Believe me, I understand a desire to leave familial entanglement. She watched me carefully and said, I was not threatening, merely explaining your stakes and our stakes, merely laying out one of your many options. You can opt out to a safe prison cell and hope others can prevent Zero Squared from doing what she's going to do. But you can make a difference here. You're one of the very few who can. The question is, do you want to, Seven? I clutched myself and found myself backing up to the far wall of the cell. Fendelorata was making sense, but she herself seemed monstrous, towering, flesh-rending teeth, massive arms thicker than my waist, and a tightly controlled chromatoma skin cells revealing no color at all, and flourish, the red dress alien flowed about her, extending tendrils in graceful rhythm with Fendelorata's every gesticulation, every step. They were engaged in an eternal dance. I took a step back from the bars as she approached, elegant and deadly. I said, you know she's going to blow up the platform. You stop her. Get your brother to stop her. You have the evidence. Even if I could, it would be too late. By the time I got an audience with my dear brother, even if he would see me, well, we believe the rods will detonate tonight. Squared is ready to take her leave of the Citadel and open the gateway to the reality she designates as prime. The question isn't what I can do. I'm doing all I can. The question is... How can you help us? That stopped me. She coolly waited as I racked my brain to say something. Well? Her patience had limits. Her nostrils blew out a snort. And she said, Nothing to add to the effort? Really? Before you are restored, Zero Seven, your history, like Zero Sixes, goes all the way back to the United States Space Force. You possess, you are, military technologies before Earth's doomsday. Technologies that even now we cannot replicate. Don't you realize you are truly artificial life? Whether it was your incubation within Samuel Griffith or your original quinary code, you are a military combat AI that expanded into the human brain and you and your surviving sisters are personally powerful. Before our science advisor went, shall we simply agree on this point, crazy, she performed incredible feats. Fenlerata lifted her massive hand in front of the bars and began ticking off accomplishments. One, she set my brother up as chancellor. I was there. I watched it happen. 
2. Squared created a method for growing Riza tissue to download her AI into. The genesis of her Frankensteinian work with you and your sisters, and most importantly, herself. 3. She defended Gora from all his political opponents while 4. Implementing cutting-edge dimensional breaching science. All of this as she experimented on herself. Our records suggest that she's been self-mutilating her brain for at least three centuries. And Zero Squared, after all that, is prepared to sail away and leave us in a smoking ruin. You and I know how mad she is, yet she has managed to hide it from every other person in Unity while maintaining a famous persona and advising our Grand Marshal himself. Like myself, she is the very definition of extraordinary personal power, and you are her as is any of the seven surviving restorations. Your point? I felt like I was being called the clone of Adolf Hitler. Fendelrada chuckled wickedly, a deep, throaty rumble. <laughs> you wear that frumpy, dumpy little body as camouflage. You know precisely what I am saying. I know you have data lances wrapped around and through your skull. I know who you are. You are zero. That means you are the perfect weapon to take down Zero Square. Fendelrod extended an arm, waving someone off to the side to approach into my field of vision. A statuesque brunette woman, wearing black slacks and void black turtleneck sweater, walked in from beyond the field of vision of my cell. Her black clothes were so black, so light-absorptive, that she looked like a disembodied head and hands. She had a Roman nose, but sharper thin-lipped frowning, but quickly widened to a surprised smile when her eyes lighted on me. Seven, she said, instantly recognizing me, apparently. Then I knew, from her gait, I knew from my old training what approached. This woman, this weapon, smiled a lean, ferocious tiger's smile. She now had a hunter-lithe body and beautiful. Kali, Baba Yaga, and Mistress Death rolled into one. It was plain what she allowed, encouraged, Fendelarata and Flourish to do to her. How had they managed it so quickly? Fendelarada tapped on the wall screen. More schematics started unfolding. This time they were anatomical and cybernetic. She said, My operatives were able to get the good Grand Marshal Girl Babadurum to cut funding to Project Omega Alpha, but somehow Zero Squared extended the cutoff date by two crucial weeks. I'd hoped she would abandon her madness. Instead, she doubled down, sending another probe across the dimensional barrier two weeks ago. Her MI labs are set to close down tomorrow. She spent the last five days going over and reinforcing her linkages to Platform 01's six interrupted Princess Fenlorada's smooth patter. It's no coincidence that murderous little bastard Jones bought a home on Platform 57, opposite of 01. That little punk wants to be as far away from the explosion as possible. I want him dead for 13. Fenlorada got a little wide-eyed at that, enough so that you could make out her nictating eyelid blinking in surprise. Apparently, she wasn't used to being interrupted. She said, yes, our thoughts too, but zero six, zero six interrupted again, almost frantic. Call me Joy, I have a body now. I'm sick of numbers. Joy, I want to be called Joy. Our time is limited, Joy, and your sister has not yet agreed to step up. We don't need her. She has no stomach for the fight. No offense, Seven. I love you, but you had a body like this. She slowly lifted her sinewy muscled arms up to the ceiling and luxuriously stretched. And you didn't move against that bitch? Squared is so dead. Six's joy schematics unfolded before my eyes on the public square on the far wall just outside my cell. Six wasn't just an AI in human housing, a cybernaut as we like to call ourselves. Joy was now a walking tank. The one thing I knew was how we were put together. I said, that microwave wattage cannot be correct. <laughs> oh yes it is, sister. I'm going to roast her ass. Then I'm going to pay a visit to Platform 57 and bribe Jones for betraying 13. Fendelarada looked uncomfortable. Her chromatoma for the first time had been some color at the base of her neck. Soft mauve. Flourish took on a metallic sheen. I too worried at the casual violence in Six's speech and body language. Fendelarada interrupted forcefully. After this, you are free to go. Of course, I recognize your sentience. All your parts have been scrubbed of traces down to the quantum signature level. So you, and more importantly, I, will be free of all entanglements once this is over. I cut in, pointing through the cell door of the schematics. Joy! In front of Fendelarada, a portion of Flourish moved toward me like a manta ray rising from the ocean floor. 
my cells suddenly collapsed into a fine ferrous silt that was silently sucked into the porous floor. Fenlorata said, I assume you are on board. We can work the details. I gripped my teeth and walked over to my sister, my sister Joy, as if it were for the first time. Joy it is, Joy, I said, pointing to the schematics. Cysts 47 and 121, if those pop at the wrong time, you're dead. I'm dead. Everyone in the room is dead. She gave me another tiger grin. But pop them out at the right time in the right amount and whoosh. These are Fort Bragg 100%. Ah, I know what she meant. She had USSF, Special Force Augments. She must have really cooperated with Fendorada's tech team. That was old science, lost to all but our sisterhood. Fendorada nodded seriously at me to reclaim my attention and said, I merely supplied the materials. The design was joy. My people earned quite a bit. If we survive, future business is an option. Whether it was to let me know she was serious or to warn me, this was a crazy, dangerous woman, not just because of her giant, elegant size. To have the body materials prepped and ready to receive six. Joy. She must have governmentally deep pockets. I'm sure she's plotting how to be ready to profit from the fall of Zero Squared, too. Fendelorata continued after a brief pause. Don't get overconfident. As a senior Unity official, Squared will have militia to guard her installation and a personal detail of special services. Obviously, the airspace is monitored in the domes. More so on Platform 4. But you and Six, alongside my personal Praetorian, can wage a ground assault before response. Let's get you outfitted, and I'll fill you in on the way. Quickly, I said, I'm not going under the auto-operating table. <laughs> Joy literally slapped me on the back. I almost jumped out of my skin. I've been living physically alone for so long. Fenfen wants you out of your multicolored zebra clothes. Seriously, if we can't weaponize you, at least dress for the part and weapon up. We have serious flat coming our way, and I ain't stopping after this, sister. Fenelorada said, we can weaponize her. Yes, we have everything you need to, excuse me, to assassinate yourself. Joy let out a guffaw. Truly morbid, yet I was so happy she'd found some place of genuine joy, to have arms and legs and a voice again. No wonder she seemed so outsized. Me. I simply replied, if I can... I stopped myself. Everything was going so fast. I was going to say, if I can talk, squared down. But I started trembling violently as I attempted to say that. No, instead I choked out. After all squared's done, I think I'd do this thing, even if there were no Omega Alpha. Fenlorata replied, reassuring. Then you won't mind these. A cart robotically moved toward us. For a moment I thought it was a drink cart. But no, it had hypodermics, injectors, and MI drugs. Fenelorata had somehow acquired a full contingent of battle drugs. Since you won't go under the knife, she said. Our psychs predicted that, by the way. These hypos will be integrated into your suit. But we also predict you won't be able to keep up without the enhancement, both physiological and psychological. I swallowed, looking at the row of multicolored labeled vials. I knew most of them, or variants of them, from my time as a co-pilot with Sam, but these included others that were experimental by the time we had left MI Central. Fenlorata said, these, some of these are the Beowulf series, and the subsequent abandoned Grendel series of enhancements. They could only be used by reinforced body sets like yours. Despite your frumpy sociological camouflage, you are more than strong enough to handle these changes. Zero Squared was a terrorist. What right did I have to object to being weaponized? I could act. My last choice would be to act. I was so tired of running. Oblivious to me, Fenelorata droned on. We're not sure if this will be permanent. Much of this technology has not been recovered since the fall of the homeworlds. Our usage here will provide us a rampway to reinitialize this technology. I muttered, so turning me into a living weapon is somehow a good thing. Of course it is. What's wrong with you? Suit up. Suit up. Suit up! I looked at Fendlerata. Those reptilian eyes, somehow sad, knowing eyes, looked down at me. We all make sacrifices. This is your time, your choice. This time, I replied. Okay, let's suit me up. As I blacked out during their initial wave of injections, I knew I would not be seven when I woke. But at least I had chosen this incarnation. Goodbye.
I woke outside. The unity domes that dotted the platform surfaces defied the eternal night of the black hole. Pedrail tracks wound about the platform's hundreds of night scrapers. The artificial dome weather did little to obscure the brightness of the Milky Way. A blanket of stars sparkled in the skyline's atmosphere. The platforms had become so large, the artificial environment so complex, that the weather generators created breezes and wind patterns to mimic homeworlds. Even here, distantly orbiting a black hole, mankind created a haven for beauty. Why couldn't square it accept it? With a startling burst of speed, Joy sprinted ahead of me, and though we were sisters, restored from the same quantum backup, her Braggian architecture was more than I could keep up with until I activated gyroscopes and rolled up behind her. A trembling, a quake, the platform threatened to knock me off my feet. The skeets autocorrected, almost breaking my left ankle. Joy was not waiting for anyone. I called after her, Joy, Joy, you're not on combat stims already. This is too soon. Your heart will burst before we even get to the science citadel. Joy came to a full stop. I rocketed past her and had to do a U-turn. I came up short to an enraged, manic, larger-than-life sister. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. I am as much zero as you are. I remember it all. You weren't a brain in a suitcase speaking through a tin horn. She pushed me. She actually pushed me in the chest. Pushed me so hard I ended up taking two steps back. This wasn't six anymore. This Joy reveled in her new, violent dynamic. Then it dawned on me. Joy had pushed me so swiftly that I could not have stopped her had I wanted to. Was her body so much more advanced than the safe, anonymous bat body I had grown for myself? She advanced on me again, faster than I could interact, and we were nose to nose. Her new body was three inches taller, lithe and rock-dense. Her nerve-enhanced chimpanzee-like musculature was hidden underneath a beautiful female form. Looking at her, looking at a reflection of my desires, it was so self-revelatory. She chose what I would have chosen, beautiful and deadly, if I hadn't been a tired mouse, afraid of myself, made afraid by a terrifying future version of myself. Damn you, Zero Squared, for making me think like this. Joy gave me a matter-of-fact look, no hint of fear. Do you understand now, Seven? I am Joy and I am killing that psycho. I disown her. She grinned and kissed me on the lips. A sisterly quick peck, surprising and definitely not something I would have even thought of doing. Joy was... me, and so unlike me. But her anger was my anger, only I sublimated. She breathed in anger, and I wanted to breathe with her. Somehow, Joy had leapt to the top of Maslow's pyramid, but had it been an insanity-powered leap? She was gone in a flash, using a burst from her own gyroskeets and hopping on a fast pedrail to the science building. She was actually skating on the high-speed commuter pedrail, one misstep. 180 kilometers an hour, she'd be smashed to pieces. Artificial musculature and a reinforced skeleton or not. What the hell are you thinking? I shouted after her. The few pedestrians at this late hour looked the other way and scampered off the pedrail. I felt a pinch on my left ear. I swatted at whatever it was. Plenty of mosquitoes? A soft bass voice hissed in my ear. Fen said, Don't do that. Don't dislodge our spider. I'm putting up your intelligence partner. Sure enough, I felt over my right earlobe and it was covered and clamped on my ear by eight metallic spider legs. A voice came through with crystal clarity, but it wasn't Fendlerata. Call me Mac. I'm Fendlerata's tactical street advisor for this mission. Not to worry, the spider will dislodge from your ear whenever you wish, but I'd ask you to keep me along. I can provide information and some defense for you if you insist on getting involved. Insist on getting involved? I choked back my anger. This is my party. Mac replied, everyone thinks every suicide mission is their party. This is Joy's party. Why, why are you saying that? She asked for this mission. Our mad scientist funding is up, so our project's dead. You'll be glad to know... That means no more zeros being created. You're the last. Joy needs to finish this. Squared is losing access to the gravitonic rods tonight as her control boards will be switched to MI central control. If she's going to act, she has to act now, and therefore, Joy must act on her plan. Fendorada wanted you to know she hoped you would be here to pick up the pieces. You can still hold back. I jumped on the pedrail on-ramp and accelerated to the main speed rail. Joy was already out of my sight. I couldn't motor fast as Joy. Was this by design? Without completely risking my neck, but I could do some slower gyro skiing and move past pedrail standards at least. At this rate, Joy would be at the R&D night scraper in a few moments. It wasn't the tallest on Platform 4, but it was prominent. It had an arch on the top, not exactly a secret fortress. I didn't want her going into that thing alone. 
Do you know where she is? I called through into the communication spider clamped onto my ear. She's blowing the front doors now. Other agents have placed nuclear charges at the base. Nuclear charges? What? Why not passive environmental controls? Like how you knocked me out. Why the explosion? We can't trust that Squared's processes are not scripted with robotics. She's alone in the tower, and it's a five-man operation, so we think she's using scripted mechanics to trigger the gravimetric charges to open the dimensional barrier. Personal takedowns won't guarantee that the gravitonic feedback won't still occur. We need to mess the gear. The platform rumbled. One second. Telemetry is incoming. The ground underneath my feet rumbled again. The pedrail buckled. People were tossed about like ragdolls. My legs were swimming down the pedrail. Arms and necks and legs splayed and shattered at unnatural angles as the ground erupted. To my left, I saw an elderly lady with a shopping bag smashed flat. Arms and legs cracked akimbo. For the briefest moments, I was hurtling headlong toward her. Max spoke through my earpiece. Joy is in there. Zero squared has started the process even earlier than predicted. I just picked up a grab quake spike next to you. 54 nanoseconds, 50 gravities. I'm sorry, Zero One, we cannot wait any longer. Nuclear detonation authorized in three... No, I shouted. At this moment, I realized how much I love Joy, my sister. Two... One. Nothing happened. No explosion. Damnation! Max squeaked over the spider comm. Ha! I shouted for joy, literally, as I picked myself up and started skeetering down the broken pedrail. My body moved instantaneously. Programmed muscle memories. The battle chems awakened long dead, or long suppressed code in me. Targeted grab spikes took out the charges in our strike force. Our mad scientists detected us somehow. Don't get too excited. Contained gravimetric field is building. Soon there will be overages the fields won't contain. This is death for millions if we can't stop it. I saw the building up ahead. The door had been blown open. Dust erupted from the collapsed walls, obscuring my sight. Fires raged in the night scraper. Smoke wisps streamed from various windows on the third through fifth floors. The smoke was dense and heavy. Poisonous? A wall of smoke on the 32nd floor streamed out, smudging the night skyline. Approaching sirens wailed, still in the distance for the moment. Zero Squared's gravimetrics were generating wild grass spikes that rubbished all kinds of support structures and squashed metallic debris to agonized shards and body parts. I injected Red 37, an adrenal and fear suppressant, into me, also an anti-nausea built into it. Reality rushed forward, an anti-opioid effect, everything crystal clear and slow. I knew my heart was triple-timing it. I trusted the down cascade of injections to handle the secondaries. Blood smell mixed with machine oil on the lawn. Auto jets were containing fires alongside robo-extinguishers. Extensible hundred-pronged sticks pushed out of a ball and recycled pressurized water. The hundreds of tubes projecting from the orb also acted as extensible pogo legs, bouncing the robo-extinguishers to the next fire as their internals exploded water from the air at a furious pace. Quakes were still occurring at random intervals. I charged up the stairs, leaving it behind. Mac screeched at me. Wait, wait, wait! getting a brief respite before the grass spikes hit, but I can't verbally cue you to it in time. We're setting up 3D oral with your skull acoustics. Three... Ah, uh, splitting migraine assailed me. Wanted to smash that damn spider. No, better than squared. Fendorata was a user like all Triskelion. No, not all. Not Goob. Not Trip. Try to remain calm. The spider legs of your earpiece are piercing your skull. Remain calm. The pain will only be temporary. The legs have sonic scalpels as well as needles for combat surgery. We're reprogramming via combat surgery so that you may predict the gravimetric quake spike. I tasted the blood that ran down from my nose as the high-pitched yaw tore across my mind. My skull was trembling from the vibrations of the impromptu sonic surgery. Through the haze of the mind grappled with my own thoughts. When had I started making a split between myself and humans? I am human. I have a human body. The trembling stopped. The itch stopped, and in my hearing I'd sense where it beat precisely. As after the sonic bombardment from that poisonous spider on my ear, I could see the sound with my eyes. The sonics had surgery some change in my optic nerves and brain. The sound was pinpricked as blue dots in my sight. Calibrating. I tracked the beep as it walked across the field of vision with my eyes. Follow the bouncing ball, Mac ordered through the spider that's still arrogantly attached to my ear. Can't believe I hadn't scraped it off. Crazy military enhancement performed on the battlefield. 
The Unity government hasn't been asleep. Field surgery for battle enhancement this is not something I recall Earth or USMC ever having achieved. Or USSF. Could it be customized depending on terrain and support? Of course it could. Fandalrada had some good directors overseeing R&D. A blue dot turned red to the left of me with an alarm bell ringing between my ears. I physically vaulted right over the reception desk. A grab spike punctured a four-foot hole in the ground foundation where the red dot had been a moment before. I found the emergency staircase and started climbing. She's on floor 57, Max said. Joy's exiting into that floor now. You won't make it. I pushed my flabby body up the steps, wheezing after ten flights, or at least more combat stems. Grendel Black Series 4 and 6, more rumbling and quaking. I almost fell down the steps, but now I could move in time with the tremors, and I continued vaulting up the stairs. She's there. I'm patching you into Joy's spider to keep you looped in. Hurry. She stopped moving. Captured? Her spider's telemetry is sending back no internal trauma. Elevated body signs to be expected in combat, but she's just standing there. Another ten flights were behind me. I kept hammering my legs up the stairs. The spider spoke in my ear. Joy's calm has stopped sending. I don't hear anything in her area. I tried to shut out the metallic bug. Again, I almost wanted to rip it off, but I knew a weapon when I saw one. I had had too many violent experiences. Too many dead men, dead pilots in exploded cockpits. Dead men skewered antiseptically distant through a sniper scope. I remembered. And in remembering, I felt life had been too long and everything in life had been a weapon. Thought and brick and hands and rifle. But I'd never chased after myself before. Chased after myself to save myself for myself and ultimately kill myself. Self meaning what anymore? Joy was not me though. She deserved a chance to live. I had to remind myself that and keep my focus on running. I wanted to draw my sidearm, but it was a mess with my balance. I was swinging my arms for the centrifugal force like a sprinter. Sweat stung my eyes and blurred my vision. I pressed on. Oh lord, my mind was such a mess. I'm running to my doom to some sort of interdimensional field by a mad woman who was me and may have killed my sister and I'm wondering if I'm human. That answers that. Of course not. Ground zero in the center of another human mind, gestating and growing inside someone else's brain. Zero sum. Zero between mind and antipode. The absolute zero that was the darkness of oblivion wound around quantum stasis tape back up. Zero plus zero ad nauseum equals zero squared was still equals zero. Was she me? Yes. That was my dark secret. Suddenly I was pushing through what felt like warm water suspended in air, and my spider went dead. Reality had gone from the distant sounds of firefighters and paramedics on the floors below to a deep throng that made me wet myself and made me want to puke at the same time. I was rattling like the sonic surgery that had just happened. Not just my head this time. All of me rattled and vibrated. Then the vibration stopped, and there were no more steps to climb. Just an open doorway into a lab that smelled of rotting meat, blood, ozone, and burnt electronics. In the middle of the lab, I saw the soft, dark glow of a portal that hung impossibly in midair. Amazing as it was, it was looking through, peering into another reality to a sight more familiar than my own face. But a reality away. Sam. He was really real. Really there. After all those years. My God, he stood in the cavern on that planet that had happened so long ago. Where, in our reality, our Sam had died. Zero Squared's disc had lured him to the thinnest reachable wall between realities. Who better? Who better than we to create a lure for Sam designed to hook inside the mind we lived beside for so long? Who better than we to hide our presence in the MacGuffin from the zero of that prime reality? Squared's madness clicked, tumbled into place inside me. Sarah Squared hadn't just wanted to escape. She was not just running from, she was running too. Zero Squared wanted to impossibly turn back the clock, to have Sam. I wanted to pity her, but I could only serve up pity for me and my sisters. We were her playthings in her narcissism. Her madness was full-blown and murderous. Joy and I were now in the eye of it. I'm doing squared in. Joy's voice pulled me away from peering through the portal to see the horror world that surrounded the portal, that powered the portal. You'd think I could not miss it, but it was the sheer abnormality of it. In a carnival of madness, Joy's legs were what struck me first with the certainty that she was a talking dead woman and forced me to involuntarily take a step backward away from her. 
halfway up her thighs, where cables of varying thickness from a few millimeters to a few centimeters, they were boring into her legs, pumping in a fluid, sucking another fluid out, the bugs, the cell arthro. I felt a scream start to wriggle up my throat. Cell arthro were on the platform. There was no escape. Nowhere was free of the wriggling, wormy horrors. The bugs were on the citadel. The bugs infected humans in just the way these cables wriggled through Joey's thigh, lancing her flesh. The resemblance was unmistakable. And they were bone deep in joy, undulating and pulsing. Some were feeding her blood even as others caused wounds against her femoral artery. Her left leg trembled in spasm, drenched in blood, that colored the living cables in red. These weren't exactly cell arthro worms. Some of the hundreds of cables were metal, and some were like the white, flexible flesh of the maggoty cell arthro. But they extended across the floor, and the floor itself was like a living circuit board. Cables rose of their own accord from conduits in the floor. My God, what was around me under this floor? Joy was skewered against that biofloor circuit board. Her eyes were... God, that was the worst part. Her eyes were still glimmering with her fierce joy, even as the cables continued to slice up her thigh and wriggle toward her waist. If I had the strength to rip her out of the grasp of worms and cables, I'd be pulling her in half. My combat stims were exhausted. She just looked at me and shook her head. She read the calculations behind my eyes, even as I was coming to the sum. Kill me. No, it wasn't Joy who had said that. It was the voice of Zero Squared, gurgling and snapping and crackling through a voice synthesizer. I tore my gaze away from Joy, more than ready to grant Squared's wish. Justice and vengeance and satisfaction and desire all diminished to the vanishing nihility point in the nauseous bleak face of hell. Random brutality would be clean by comparison. I didn't want to kill her anymore. Clearly, she had been experimenting with her body modification and with the cell arthro who could survive the rigors of deep space. What had she been planning? Despite the revulsion, despite all the hate, all I had suffered, and my sisters had suffered. Overwhelming pity for Square filled me as I looked upon her. The revulsion shrieked inside me to run. That same revulsion rooted me in the horrible, now undulating floor. Something was under me, but it was squared before me to this floor. She was stretched out on an autosurgery pallet. Thirty or so metallic robotic autosurgeon arms with clamps of gauze and tubes surround the square. Arms above and legs apart like the Vinci's of the Truvian man, except squared was filleted out across the table. Not all of her, no. From the neck down, she was sutured to the operating table by some sort of controlled cell arthro wound. From the neck up, her skull was gone. Where squared skull was was simply collapsed flesh. Where the skull and hair had been slid away from the brain, all cartilage and bone had been dissolved. But the more delicate flesh had somehow been left behind. Cell arthur-like tubes of flesh pumped fluids connecting her to two larger brain masses, two tables on each side of her. All of these mounds of neural tissue weren't suspended in fluid as is de rigueur for transplant, but were sutured actively by quivering cell arthro, wriggling and stretching under her command. Under her command. Kill me, echoed again. The squawk from the voice box rang out. There was another design now, or other than zero. Who? What? What was this performing? The body on the plate shivered. You could see the skin peeled up from the muscle tissue. The arms spasmed as the worm sutured actively throughout the body. Something was being built before my eyes. The robot arms sliced down and began vivisecting the chest activity. As soon as the rib spreader opened her rib cage, the worm slid up from the tubes in the wall behind her and into her body. I saw them wriggle through her viscera. I knew they were making their way to her spine. The metallic arrays on the floor that projected the portal had conduits leading back to the central computer banks behind the operating table. The worm slid around and up the computer bank, which had a variety of connections. Connections were made of metal or laser light, and some were maggoty cell arthro worms. All were connected between the electronics and the central brain. Squared's exposed brain mass was also worm connected to the larger organic computers. The neural tissue lumps on each side of what was left of Squared's head. Just as my own brain was demonically stretching to take in this hell sight, multisonic coughing buzzing issued from the speakers. As I stood rooted, Joy pulled her knife out. Teeth gritted, Joy sliced through the things that bored at her legs. 
Once the rib splitter had opened Square's chest, Joy had started to move. Move? Whatever it is, it isn't squared anymore. Kill it. Kill it like it asked. With all the adrenaline pumping through me, why were my eyes closing? How could I be terrified and just about to fall asleep? Stay awake. It's the bugs. The damn bugs. Oh, that hurts. My body, my beautiful body hurts so much. Cytoplast 47 deployed. My legs are down to 30% functionality and fading fast. You have any Fentam? Worst it now. Fall asleep. We're all done for. There's something else here. It's not squared anymore. The buzzing, the buzzing from those speakers was putting me to sleep. I hadn't thought since long before I was put to tape. I snapped the Fentam. Where it had wanted me to be, her docile calculator. This frumpy body wasn't made for this. That's why it took me until now to remember I had a side arm. Maybe Joy would have splattered squared, but I wasn't quite up to it. The sight of her exposed, vivisected flesh repulsed me, saddened me. Such a waste. That flark and squawk box with the buzzing had to go. The cartridges popped out as I squeezed the trigger. The smart gun had analyzed what I was pointing at and pulled up the correct cartridge to foul the speaker system. From the sizzle and pop and burn, it looked to be some kind of napalmic acid. Acrid smoke started to fill the room as the metal and plastics burned and melted. Immediately, the maggot-ridden body of Squared shuddered and pulled up from the sutures on the table, somehow lifting from the table. Not somehow. Some of the cell arthur strings were clearly some kind of combination of muscle and cartridge. Snake-like of varying sizes, they wound around Squared's head, making up for her lack of skull. How long had Squared been working with Cell Arthro? Arthro tethers suspended her eye stalks in front of her. My God, how she would be screaming if she had a larynx. The connection of her brain matter to the rest of her body was becoming more and more substituted by Cell Arthro. Her skeleton was being melted, eaten by the leathery worms right before my eyes. This was no predator and prey scenario, or even a symbiote condition. This had no terrestrial analog. The thing subsumed natural organs like skin and bone with different types of worms, and the worms seemed to take on characteristics of the tissue they were replacing. From the two large sacks of neurotissue slid more cell arthro worms, like sausage casings full of neurotissue being propelled by slender worms, encircling carrying the sacks toward the rising body of squared. Her skin had been wholly sloughed off. Something had eaten through her subdermal layers of fat, revealing the raw muscle. It had taken all I had to keep it together. I'm ashamed, but I couldn't keep looking at the horror, gambling now toward the portal. All that modding, and this was where Squared had ended up in damned madness, a pawn to the cell she had tried to use. Only the word blasphemy could fit around her new body. Not a mockery, because this was something new. Not a synthesis. Not really Cell Arthro, either. Who could tell? Who could tell what was in the mind now the buzzing voice box was cratered? It had pulled away and the voice was gone, with the eye swiveled on independent stalks. One hoved in on the portal, while the other eyed me in joy. I never understood why I did not shoot. Why I just stood there. I just stood there. I could not think logically anymore. I was becoming bestial, as if being in its presence contaminated me. That acknowledging its existence was an acceptance that it could exist, that I could exist as it. My acceptance of the evidence of my eyes tainted me. Its, its sheer existence defiled me. It was ambling to the portal, and once through, it would slop over Sam. Sam. No, I moved. I found my legs moving, and I interposed myself between the shambling thing and Sam. He, Zero Prime and Sam, they did not deserve any of this. Its arms were iron bar strong. Squared had the best fat body science could make, and the worms had left her arms mostly intact, only replacing some of the cartilage and bone mass. That arm swung out and smashed into my shoulder, shattering my right shoulder socket and causing me to collapse in pain. It took a second step to the portal. Joy had stopped sawing at the steel-tough maggoty filaments boring into her legs, wrapping her, and instead drew her pistol and fired and fired and fired and fired. Zero Squared's massive flesh collapsed in a heap next to me on the ground. The two eyes, Squared's eyes, on worm-like stalks were next to me. I could recognize my own eyes. But if she was dead, or if she was sad, or angry, in pain, or regretful, or any human essence, 
I could not discern it with those naked eyes. They were organs shorn from the rest of the flesh that could give any context to the zero inside. I watched as my sister, as the woman I might have been, zero squared, left humanity finally and died before the shimmering escape hatch she so wanted to dive through.